of chapter 6. And verse 3. Let us know. Let us press hard to know the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He'll come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain of the earth. And then to the New Testament... To Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, There are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you come in your word to teach us who you are and who we are and what the way of life truly is. Thank you for these brothers and sisters who have come here on a Sunday morning to worship you to hear your word. Come, Holy Spirit, apply your word to our hearts that we may be truly followers of Jesus. In your name, amen. Did that young man know that morning that this was going to be the day that changed the rest of his life? No, I don't think so. But it was. When Elijah came down the road, he didn't say a word. He just threw his mantle across Elisha's shoulders. And Elisha knew what it meant. And we know that he knew what it meant when he says, after I kiss my mother and father goodbye, I will come and follow you. Follow. It was the same hundreds of years later when Jesus spoke to a bunch of guys fishing. Follow me. And to a tax collector sitting at his table. Follow me. But what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Christ? For one thing, it means that accepting Christ is not merely a legal deal. Accepting Christ is to enter into a walk. A walk. Now, what does it mean to follow Christ? Well, does it mean just to follow him around and go where he goes? There were certainly people like that. 
people who followed him, but just following him around. When you look at the word follow in the New Testament, you find that about of the 81 occurrences that have to do with following in a spiritual sense, fully a third of them are just people who are following him around. Well, the man said and did some amazing things. I mean, if you followed him around, you might get a free lunch. If you followed him around, you might hear him tell off those high and mighty Pharisees. If you followed him around, you might even see him raise the dead. Wow. Maybe if we followed him around, he could put our broken lives back together. These are spectator followers. Any spectator followers here today? Just following around. See what he might do. What he might do for us. But there were others. There were those who followed him out of gratitude. Blind Bartimaeus. He could see. And when he saw, he followed Jesus. The guy who was filled with demons over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus said, no, you go home. Tell people about me. These people are not the sensation seekers. They're not the ones who are just following them around as spectators. But even these are not what Elijah was inviting Elisha into. Not what Jesus was inviting the disciples into. If it doesn't mean to be spectator followers... Maybe it means to learn what he knows and learn his ways. That's what Hosea is talking about. Let's learn who God is. Let's learn what he's like. Let's learn what his character is. Is that what we're talking about? Well, yes. That is what it meant to become his disciple to learn who he is, to learn what he's like, to learn what he calls us to. These guys were not merely following him around. They were trying to walk in his footsteps. They were pursuing what he was doing and what he was saying. And that is, that is what life in Christ calls for. Oh Lord, I want to look like you. I want to act like you. What we heard in the children's message a few moments ago. Lord, change my behavior. Change my life. 
Discipleship today is a popular word, but it's a lost art. Because it calls for us to make some commitments. It calls for us to give ourselves in particular ways. But in many ways, this kind of following is what I call consumer following. There's spectator following. What's he going to do next? There's consumer following. What has God done for me lately? Yeah, I want to know him. I want to know what he's like so that he can do something for me. I've got these problems. I've got these difficulties. I've got these needs. Maybe if I really seriously follow him, he can meet my needs and do something for me. That's what we see in the disciples. Jesus is on his way to the cross. And they're following him. And while he's talking about the cross, what are they talking about? (laughs) Peter, you are not going to be the prime minister. I'm going to be the prime minister. You can be minister of sanitation if you want to, but I'm going to be prime minister. Consumer followers, what can Jesus do for me? What position can he give me? What power can he give me? What ability can he give me? Consumer following. But there's another kind of following. That's what Jesus was talking about there in Luke chapter 9. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a following where you give up your right to yourself. It's a following where you give up your right to your way, to your reputation, to your will. Why are there church fights? Because we haven't taken up our cross. I want my way. I want my ideas. I want my place. Spectator followers, consumer followers, but not crucified followers. It's not accidental that it is after Jesus being recognized by Peter as the Messiah And Jesus taking that opportunity to say, all right, all right, you got it. 
I think he'd been waiting for two and a half years. He'd brought these guys so slowly along. He doesn't want to just stand up and say, I'm the Messiah, believe it. No, he wants them to get to the point where they will say in their own hearts, this guy really is the Messiah. Now Peter has said it. And Jesus says, all right, now let me tell you about the cross. And Peter says, Jesus, you didn't understand me. Messiahs don't die on crosses. Messiahs put people on crosses. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a human being and not like God. So, Peter is the perfect example of all of us. Oh, Jesus, I will follow you to see what you can do in the world. I will follow you to see what you can do in my life. But follow you to the cross? Oh, wait. Oh, wait, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up to lose my rights. I didn't sign up to lose my way. I didn't sign up to lose my will. How interesting then, in John 13... Peter says, when Jesus said, said, you can't follow me where I'm going right now. And Peter says, why not? I'll follow you right now. I'll lay down my life for you. And a few hours later, Peter was following at a distance. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Peter wanted to see what they were going to do to him. (laughs) But he sure didn't want what they were going to do to him be done to Peter. So he's following at a distance. Is that you? Is that me? Oh, I'm following him. But not following him closely. Not following him to the cross. Peter had not counted the cost. He had not realized that when Jesus throws his mantle over our shoulders, he's inviting us to come and die. So, in the very last chapter of John, when Jesus meets them there on the shore of the lake, and three times he asked Peter whether he loved him, 
sometimes we think, well, that's kind of mean of Jesus. But I'm confident that it's because three times Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus. Now Jesus gives him a chance to blank out every one of those. And then, uh, you just have to love Peter. He looks and says, hey, wait a minute. Oh, what about John? What are you going to do with him? And Jesus says, hey, <laughs> if I choose to keep him alive forever, that's my business. You follow me. Yes. This was a call to discipleship on a whole new plane. This was a call on the other side of failure. But it's also on the other side of indescribable, overflowing love. In the light of the cross, in the light of what Jesus Christ has done for him now, Peter is able to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow you wherever it leads. Whatever it costs. No longer the spectator follower, no longer the consumer follower, but now the crucified follower. Anyone like that here? Thank God you're here. Thank God you're in this place today. You're following Jesus. But I have to tell you, Jesus is not going to be satisfied with anything less than crucified followers. Why? Because he's mean? Because <laughs> he wants to kill you? No, 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 no. Because that's what we were made for. When we are ruled by our desires, when we are ruled by our wills, when we are ruled by our determination to have our way, we are corrupted. We are ruined. It is when we give ourselves away unreservedly to our Heavenly Father that we find ourselves. It's on the other side of the cross that we find life. Oh, something in us shrinks back at the thought of pain or of loss or of difficulty. But Jesus beckons us and says, come on, on the other side, on the other side is life to the full. What kind of follower are you? Spectator, just want to see what Jesus might do next? Consumer, what can Jesus do for me? Or crucified? I will follow you. Follow you to the death and beyond. Because, as Jesus said, 
If a man will find his life, he must lose it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these, your children, your sons and daughters who are here in this place. Oh God, may each of them be indeed a crucified follower. I don't know what each one is called to die to, but you know, and we know. Give us the courage, Lord, to grasp the cross in our lives, to die to ourselves, our ways, our rights, our desires, and come alive in following you. In your name we pray, amen.